0: hi it's Jill Schlesinger on this episode of Jill on money do you avoid investing because you don't think
1: you look the part we have a misunderstanding of what it means to be an investor women think investors look like and sound like Jim Kramer they think they're traders and that is not how to invest for your long term financial life welcome to Jill on money we are presented by Marcus
0: by Goldman Sachs well I know it's not Women's History Month but you know what I'm really interested in the idea of how women talk about and deal with their money and so I got not only did I get a legend I got an expert so here's the legend Jean Chatsky the award-winning financial editor of the today show now jeans appeared all over the place she's made it to the Oprah show MSNBC CNN everywhere okay she launched a company called her money media because she too got very interested in the topic women with money and that is the name of her new book the subtitle of this book is really instructive the Judgment-Free Guide to Creating the Joyful, Less Stressed, Purposeful, and Yes, Rich Life You Deserve. So here is our interview with Gene Chatsky.
1: You're listening to Jill on Money with Jill Schlesinger.
0: It is my great honor to have the iconic and wonderful Gene Chatsky on the program. Woo!
1: Oh, thank you so much. Whenever I hear that word iconic, I flash to Project Runway because that's how on Project Runway All-Stars, they always introduce Isaac Mizrahi, the iconic well, Isaac I, Mizrahi. And
0: that's not bad company. No. Right? No. All right. I thought you were going to say that you didn't like it because it sounds like you're old, but you're not. But you've been doing this for a while, lady. I've been doing this a long time. Okay. Um, we start the program with a very important question. Ready? Mm-hmm. Your best financial or career decision ever?
1: Well, I'm tempted to say getting divorced.
0: Wow. Okay, let's go with that. Getting divorced. Why is that? I hope my
1: ex-husband's not listening to this because we're actually good friends right now. But (laughs) getting divorced whipped my financial butt into shape.
0: Really? It did.
1: I I always did what I advised people to do. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't come to this as a financial expert. I came to this as an English major who had completely messed up her finances. And once I started reporting on personal finance, I started doing what I was reporting and that helped. But getting divorced just made me a super saver. It made me focus on my investments. It made me chart out my goals in a way that I had never done before.
0: I would say that that may have been my best investment, although it cost a lot, meaning that I paid off the ex and said, bye bye yeah. and that was that. And you see, you're like, oh, I hope my ex doesn't listen. I hope my ex listens and reads the part of the book where I basically pound him. But that's okay. Um, you're out with a new book. It's called Women With Money. Now, why write a book just for women?
1: Because men like you too, Gene. I hope so. They do. Um, I wrote this book because... Things are changing for women very quickly in terms of the amount of money coming our way. The, the biggest shift is that women will inherit twice. We'll inherit from our parents and we'll inherit from the husbands that we outlive
0: now do you still think we're gonna inherit from our parents if all these parents are basically blowing through their retirement nest eggs
1: I I think we we a house. yeah there's a house there are some assets that won't get spent I think overall we will still inherit it's not a smart move necessarily to plan on it because Mm -hmm. it come could come 20 years later than you anticipated but I, I think the money's still coming our way and we are getting educated at a much faster rate at men. Eventually, the salary gap is going to close. We're starting a lot of businesses. We just are getting more money. That is a really, really good thing. But we want different things from our money than men want. And we also like to learn about it in a different environment. I, I go around, as I know you do, and, and speak a lot. And the difference between a QA and a when I've got only women in the room and a Q and a when it's mixed is enormous okay let's go there well how different is it you're holding these I'm holding these her money happy hours um, her money is my podcast and my website and we've just been crowdsourcing these groups of women when I travel and saying come talk about money have a glass of wine let's sit let's talk about money I developed this card game essentially pass around the cards everybody takes one and you have to start talking and it is a judgment-free zone it is incredibly special I think the way women just open up to these women that they haven't met before of a variety of ages and stages and share and by the time I leave they are exchanging numbers to that's me without so cool me. yeah it's amazing
0: so what is it that you think makes the addition of men in the environment different for the woman what is it that's that that she's carrying in that feels guarded maybe
1: I think all of a sudden it's no longer a judgment-free zone or at least we don't perceive it that way I think we feel like we're not doing it right and somebody's gonna look at us and say "Ugh, you're not doing it right even though we do it right like you've seen all the research the research shows we're great at this but we don't have the confidence to acknowledge that and to embrace that and we still have this incredible bias towards safety and security that holds us back what is
0: that where do you think that comes from that when when you say to somebody what does money mean uh, many times women will say security yeah why do you think that
1: is I said what do you want from your money to every woman that I interviewed for this book safety security stability savings money in the bank I think it is this need that we have to satisfy before we can take on anything else. I think it's biological. I think it's very much back to our caveman, cavewoman roots. I think it's emotional. Money is incredibly emotional. And I also think women don't feel safe in the world, but even more basic than that, I focused in on this Gallup study of how safe people feel walking home at night, Hmm. and women don't feel safe. Anywhere. uh, Even in developed countries, even in the best neighborhoods, they they segregated the the research and took the top one-fifth of women in terms of wealth, still not safe.
0: That's sort of daunting. Although I never feel safe anyway, and I just thought that that was just being Jewish.
1: Well, it might be true. I mean, I I agree with you. and, And it's like your mother sitting on your head and saying, look, look both ways before you cross the street. Look where you're going. And so we compensate and we compensate with money. And the irony of all of that compensation is that it actually sabotages our financial security. And how does it do that? We keep far too much cash in the bank. I love my cash in the bank. So do I. So do I. And when I got divorced, I mean, look, all of, this, all of this interviewing that I did made me take a really hard look at my own life. And what I realized was that I am typical, and nobody likes to be typical, but I have at times in my life, and especially after that divorce, left far too much cash in the bank. I was intent on buying a home because I didn't ever want to have to move again, even though it was 2005. And if I sold my home today, I would not get what I paid for it. Mm. I mean, how awful is that? Mm. And it's fine. I got a lot of use out of it. You know, I drive a Volvo wagon. Like, if you want to be typical and worried about safety, you drive a Volvo wagon, (laughs) and I am not giving it up. Okay, and nor do you have to. So what does money mean for you? It means... At a very basic level, it means safety, it means security, but it also means choices about how to spend my time, about what I don't want to do. It also allows me to support the causes that I want to support, to try to make the world into the world I want it to be, whether I do that through investing or whether I do it through giving more money away that's become a more important goal for me
0: so when you look at the lens of investment services and you see maybe some of these services that are pointed towards women what's your reaction to that you know you see Sally Krawcheck opens up a, a robo and calls it L or whatever it is what's your opinion about that
1: I think if it works for you if it gets you engaged if that's what it takes to bring you in Okay. I do think women should take the fact that we're going to live an average five years longer than men into our considerations, and Sally's model definitely does that. I think you can also do it yourself. Whatever it takes to get you to step up, step up. You don't want to listen to me. You want to listen to Jill instead. You want to listen to Susie or Sally. I I don't care, but listen to somebody and do the right thing.
0: How do you feel the next gen is doing like you and I are about the same yep. age, and uh, we came up through you know, you in journalism and then financial services, and me in financial services, and then journalism in very male dominated fields. Do you think that there has been progress with younger women and their ability to kind of grab hold of their financial lives
1: more than? us, but I think that they have been forced into it. I think when you are sitting under a mountain of student loan debt, it absolutely forces you to pay attention in a way that people who don't have it can just slide for almost a decade. Mm. And I feel, I mean, it's an incredible burden for for these kids who are coming out with a mountain of debt and having to learn to deal with it and having to figure out things that they should have been helped to figure out before they took it on, about how much they have to earn to actually comfortably repay that debt. And maybe they would have made a different college decision about going somewhere that would have been a greater value. But I do think, in terms of saving, I think the millennials are doing great, and Gen Z is is following suit. In terms of investing not so sure I feel bad because
0: they have like these many hurdles not just the student loan debt crisis but you graduate or you watch your family suffer yep. during the financial crisis right and it's it's very daunting you mm-hmm. know and, and and to have those scars from your childhood or your teens or some of them who said like you know I graduated and thought I was gonna just have any job available yeah. and it wasn't there for me so how do you advise the younger generation what are your your initial steps that you outlined in the book or in your your life like what do you think as best practices for younger women trying to take hold and control of their money
1: Younger people, actually, because I, I've gone through this with my with my kids. I've got a 25 year old son, hard and, to believe, uh, unbelievable.
0: You. She had the child when she was 10, and a,
1: and a 22 year old daughter. And he came out of school and he got a job that had no benefits, like so many people these days. And I said. You gotta open a Roth. You gotta open a Roth. You gotta open a Roth. And he was doing really well. I, I have a, um, I have a linked savings account with his. Um, he hasn't kicked me off yet. I hope that he won't. But I'm sure that that day is coming. And mm-hmm. and so I would watch him save and spend. And he was doing he was doing great. And he had the bandwidth. But he wanted to hold on to that savings because he wasn't. What if I want to take a trip? What if I want I said, Okay, you're you're doing fine. You can do this. You can start small. How much do you think that you could contribute a month? Fifty dollars, a hundred dollars? I can do more than that. And and he started with two fifty. He is continuing to ratchet that up. He actually came back and said, I should have done this a year ago.
0: Ah, because
1: because. The thing that people who are a little bit afraid of investing don't understand is how much fun it is to watch your money add up. You know, when you when you set it and forget it when you just put it on automatic pilot and you then visit your account, even if it's lost a little bit over the course of the month because the market has has gone in the other direction, the fact that you're continuing to contribute means it's probably kept you close to whole and you feel good and then you feel confident and then you want to do more and that's that's what i tell young women just start you know i know you're not feeling good about this i felt pretty awful the first time i went to yoga class right so i i, I sat in the back and i the teacher who I love because she makes fun of people. Made fun of me, and I got better over time. But you kind of have to be in it to experience it and to progress and to gain that confidence. I, you know, I'm still the worst person in the class. But why are y'all judgy? I, you know, because you know, I, come I, on now. I, I can touch Back, my off. Toes.
0: Back um, off! Come on. But it's okay. It's okay. All right. So if you are getting the younger women. At the earlier stages and they are more in control hopefully Um, let's talk a little bit more towards the 30s and 40s these women are confronting so many obstacles and they're really I think feeling just sort of overwhelmed by their family lives so how can someone in their 30s or 40s maybe who has like a controlling spouse who's kind of like they've maybe they've outsourced their money to the spouse
1: it happens a lot
0: right like you're better at money than I am honey you do it what should those people be thinking about?
1: The first thing they should be thinking about is, do I know the lay of the land? If something happened, let's not even make it a worst case scenario. Let's just make it a travel nightmare. Your, your spouse is in Europe. They are stuck because there's a bad storm. They can't come home. The mortgage has to be paid. And you have to do it because the computers are down or something. Right. I don't know. Could you do it? Could mm-hmm. you sign on to those accounts and actually do it? And if the answer is no, you don't know the passwords, you don't know where things are, You know that's really bad because mm-hmm. what you don't want is for somebody to get really sick or die and you have to take it over and not know how. The second thing I would say is that if, if you're staying home and you don't have an IRA of your own, you're missing a big tax saving opportunity. You should have one. And the nice thing about retirement accounts is you can't share them. They're yours and you got to manage it. And we know that when people have accounts of their own, they are more likely to step in and manage it. And you can do it the easy way. I I grew up at um, Smart Money Magazine owned by Dow Jones and, and the Hearst Corporation. There are restrictions on what you're allowed to do trading-wise. I mean, that turned me into a passive investor, but I've never gone back. I've always been that. And passive investing is the way that most of us as individual investors should be doing it. We leave the fees low. We we leave our fingers out of things. We set an asset allocation and we forget it. One of the things that I did in these her money happy hours was ask the question are you an investor and very sheepishly like two or three hands would go up and then I'd say do you have a 401k and every hand would go up and we have a misunderstanding of what it means to be an investor women think investors look like and sound like Jim Cramer they think they're traders and that is not how to invest for your long-term financial life we'll get back to our interview with Jean Chatsky in just a minute This is Jill on Money.
0: Hi, I'm Jill Schlesinger, certified financial planner, CBS News business analyst, and host of the Jill on Money podcast. And I'm here to tell you that the Jill on Money podcast has a new sponsor Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Marcus is part of a storied company that's been a leader in financial services for generations and offers simple, secure access to FDIC insured savings products, including a high yield online savings account that earns four times the national average. Marcus also offers educational articles and videos to help you get better about your finances, which you can find in the resources section on marcus.com. So check it out. You can money. National average data provided by Informa and accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Marcus deposits products provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. And now back to our interview with Gene Chatsky. So first you you love passive investing? and what i would like to point out is that everyone who covers this industry is a proponent of passive investing people from within the industry when you give them their truth serum which is usually the middle of the second drink yep. will admit to you that they too are passive investors why has the industry continues to try to lure people in with like there's a man behind the curtain right that can beat the market
1: fees Right, it's fees. I mean, active investing makes more money in many cases, and and that is something that we just have to acknowledge. There are also a cohort of people, generally men, who like to win. You know, they want to beat the benchmarks. They take pride in, well, my portfolio is doing better than the S and P, and that takes an active investment stance you can't just buy the S&P and expect to beat the S&P it's not gonna happen you know I argue if you look historically at how these indexes have done since the beginning of investment time I'm fine with that yeah exactly and in fact why not
0: take the emphasis off how your portfolio is doing and how you are doing in getting more money into that portfolio like what are we doing here
1: well so in the book I lay out the three components of being a successful investor right so one is saving I, I heard once and I have stolen this phrase that you can't just like you can't out exercise a bad diet you can't out invest a savings problem savings are the base and you got to put enough money in there to grow or you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful number one savings it's the Chatsky method TM number two asset allocation right we've all seen you've you've certainly seen I don't know if your listeners have all seen but there are years of studies that point to the fact that asset allocation is responsible for 80 to 100 percent of the success of your portfolio and and it, it's sort of the first study put it at 90 the second study sort of revised to say 80 to 100 Either way, it's the highest share. It's like, you, you, that's where you're going. Yeah. Third thing is security selection. You don't have to do it at all, just buy the markets.
0: And obviously, all the index funds out there are pretty much hurtling towards zero in terms of cost. Right. So, that's an interesting place to kind of talk about the industry in general. Here we are in 2019. Where we do not have a fiduciary standard yes. for the entire industry. So, what's your view on what should be happening with financial advice givers?
1: So, I'm all 100% in favor of a fiduciary standard. Doesn't look like we're getting one under this administration, but I think that individuals, when we interview, financial planners should be asking that question. You know, are you a fiduciary? What standard do you adhere to? Or in English, do you invest with my best interests at heart at all times? Do you make decisions with my best interests at heart? And there are enough who are fiduciaries that you can find one of those
0: yeah and at all times because remember the old CFP rules which are changing at the end of this year said you, you have to be a fiduciary during the planning right but not during the sale so fiduciary at all times Am so I always first what do you do with if you have someone's listening and they're like well uh, I have an advisor who I now have found out it's not a fiduciary
1: should I fire that person? Not necessarily.
0: What should I ask him besides the fiduciary part?
1: You know, I would go back and I would make sure you understand the fees. You want to dig into. And by the way, you should do this anyway. You should dig into the various investments. If if somebody is investing on your behalf if you're not a DIYer, you want to know what is this costing? And are there alternatives that cost less that could be substituted? And why didn't you buy those instead? What, what's going on that you chose this over that when the returns are equal and the costs are lower? Because women in particular, we are really big on control. Control makes us happy. But I, I think that's true for, for humans. Fees are controllable. I can't control the markets I can't control inflation I can't control taxes I can control fees
0: what do you think is the most misunderstood or let's give let's do threes because I love threes the misconceptions that many of the women that you encounter who listen to your podcast or come to these meetings what do you think are some of the misconceptions about advice givers that they have besides let's say put it aside that they think the the guy or gal is a CPA or a lawyer working in your best interest. What other misconceptions do you think they have?
1: I think there's a big misconception that they're all the same. You know, people come to financial planning from a variety of backgrounds. Some are accountants, as you said. Some are insurance people. Some are trained as CFPs. you got to know where they're coming from in order to filter the advice that they're giving you, because it, it will have that sort of bent and bias. There's a big misconception that somebody who is advising you about your investments is looking at your life. I like Holistic investors. I like somebody who can, who's, who's looking at my big goals. I think people feel like you have to have a lot of money to work with an advisor. That's my third one. What I like most about the financial planning industry right now is that people are shaking things up. You know, they are opening facilities um, like uh, the Financial Gym, which full disclosure, I invested a little bit of money in. They're opening facilities where you can come every single month, and you can have a discussion with a coach. They are charging by the hour. If you don't want to, if you don't want to hire somebody who is going to manage your money and take a percentage of your assets, there are a lot of different ways to do it these days. And if what you want is a little short-term therapy, you can find that. How do you
0: feel about the advent of these online platforms, these robo's? Do you think that that's A good way for people to to basically try to consolidate their financial lives and get a snapshot or do you think that some of these people are gonna be a little bit unnerved the first time we go into a real bear market
1: I think the robos have taken some important steps to account for the fact that they can see coming that people are going to get unnerved when we go into a real bear market. I mean, I've been watching how they've added human beings back into the equation. And I think that that is, I think that's a really good move because sometimes you really just want to talk to somebody, even if it's just to say, we're watching, things are okay. But I have an advisor and I like the phone call when things are going you know a little bit sideways and i like being able to pick up the phone my my husband and i are looking at buying an apartment and i am i'm talking through you know well we look at my income and we're projecting this out and if it stays like this and well can we buy the bigger apartment you know i i i do this for a living and i want to have people to bounce this off of
0: it was very funny i um i wrote an article for Barron's last year at the end of the year and you know I had some inflammatory headline like fire your hedge fund and hire an advisor and I got a lot of feedback from people who said you're a CFP you're a money manager you know this stuff and you and in the article I said I have an advisor yeah why because I can't know everything I'm not as immersed on a day-to-day basis as I used to be I doing a lot of different things and from my perspective the best aspect of having an advisory relationship a fiduciary relationship is exactly what you said it's not about the investments because honestly that I could put on autopilot but what I do like is you know oh have you ever considered putting in this type of very specific retirement plan for self-employed people Mm -hmm. which would allow you to do this 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 and this and then that's the kind of thing that I'm not thinking about all the time and I think that's really fantastic because I think that's the kind of advice that's the value add all these guys and gals know that if it's just about managing assets they're going out of business
1: right for sure and and I also like it in terms of bringing my husband into the into the equation and into the conversation because we're just not you know we're not the same I'm a little more conservative he's a little more aggressive typical and having the advisor talk to both of us that's that's pretty good too
0: do you find that you are pushing back against his aggressive nature or have you guys I mean you've been married for a while so you figured out how to manage it what do you do how would you suggest that somebody who's a little worried about spouse is more aggressive than I am how have you navigated that what tips can you give I think that's a very typical situation
1: well we haven't merged all our money this is second marriage for both of us and we maintain separate IRAs separate retirement accounts you know I have one of those self-employment plans I'm a little more conservative, and he's a little more aggressive. And you know, as a family, we pretty much meet in the middle at a point where both of us are comfortable. But um, he has pushed me to be a little bit more aggressive. I'm more aggressive than I used to be, and and he's he's you know, with age, we all get a little more conservative. I wouldn't say he's he's super conservative.
0: One of the things that women are confronting more and more. And I'm sure that you hear this is about the care of aging parents yep. how do you find women are talking to their parents about money you know we did a segment about this on CBS last week I got flooded with inquiries about people saying like it's the hardest thing in the world for me to talk to my parents
1: it is I I did a series on it on today last year and it, it did very well for the same reason because the parents don't want to talk about it I mean that's the big stumbling block. And when we think about the pressures that people our age are up against, often you are trying to put your kids through college, which is expensive. You're trying to save for your own retirement. And then your parents need help. And it all happens simultaneously. And you can borrow for your kids. You can delay your retirement. You can't put off your parents if they need money. And so if they're already out of their working years, remedying the situation and helping them get more money is not going to happen. But what you can do is project the fact that there's going to be a need, and that, that means talking about it. I like, you know, you're, you're a reporter. I, I use the reporter's handbook. I, I pull out a little bit of my own life to share in hopes that they will open up about their own life. I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky. My, my mom um, talks to me every day. But I... I did have, and I I write about it in in Women With Money, I did have a situation last year where um, both my mom and my stepdad got the flu. Um, They are snowbirds. They are in Florida half the year. Uh, They got the flu simultaneously with all of their other Florida people going back to Philadelphia for the funeral of a close friend, and I could hear on the phone every day my mom getting, my stepdad took the Tamiflu pretty early and he got through it but I could hear my mom just getting worse and worse and worse and that fear of managing this from afar Mm. um, really got me so like
0: right now they live nearby here for you live in Philly so do you talk to them like I talk to my mother all the time about this about you know like what do you want your next phase to look like yes and she's like I don't know that's her favorite like I don't know I'm fine now okay great but I think that that's one of the things that's difficult and you talk about emotions and money and this is like the quintessential thing you've got to confront your own death and Mm -hmm. decline and now your damn kid is like noodling around and asking you these questions one way that I found was to just say I don't want to worry about this right I, I, I want you to feel good that we know we're on the same page my dad before he died he was like incredibly expressive about his wishes and which was a godsend. It was
1: great. So much easier. Yeah, and, and chances are your parents have other friends who are going through stuff, right? And you can use that, right? I, I, saw, I saw Lorraine moved into a new facility. Is that, is that a place you might like to go? Well, you know, my mother has made it very clear that no she does not want to go into anything really so
0: wait so that's interesting I said the same thing to my mother about like oh why don't you think about this place whatever and she's like "Mm, no and my mother's very social like my mother-in-law is in assisted living right now not so social but like we just couldn't do it she's 95 years old I thought my mother would be like all over it like there's a bridge game every day I'm in she was sort of reluctant and I was very surprised when she said that and I said well what do you mean she said well I don't know I just never like I don't want to have to eat eat my meals with somebody
1: yeah no I think my mom is exactly the same way she she doesn't like people telling her what to do and I think that it represents a loss of control and a loss of independence and I don't really know at one point before she got remarried she said she was gonna move in with us Um, she said she was gonna give me money I could add on to my home this was her plan and she would live with us Time out. how did you feel about that I said, okay. I mean, I, I, I said, fine. We'll we'll deal with it when we come to it. I didn't really think that it would come to You didn't to that. call her bluff. Kind of. I mean, I, I, I always figured, our long, my mom's in Philadelphia. Our long-term plan is to be in Philadelphia. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And in part, it's to be in Philadelphia because she's in Philadelphia. And I am the only girl. Um, I've got two younger brothers who have kids younger than my kids? I've got now three stepbrothers who are all over the globe, and it's on me. I know it's on me. So you know, and my husband spent many many years there, and so he likes that idea. And so that's our that's our long term. You plan. made
0: one of the few, maybe one of the few people who could downsize and actually save money because At, Philadelphia is cheaper than New York. It is,
1: although quickly changing.
0: Mm. All right. what is the um, best thing that's happened for consumers over the last <clears throat> years that you've been covering personal finance I didn't even say the number automation
1: for for consumers for investors yeah hands down hands down automation because human beings don't do the right things when it comes to money we just don't and and you set it and you're you forget it and you can get out of your own way it's a beautiful thing okay before you leave
0: ready mm-hmm First question was your best financial or career decision and you said getting divorced from your lovely ex-husband we have much more fun beating up on the exes okay. here okay so you know it's not like a deadbeat or anything he's a good guy okay fine what's your worst financial or career decision
1: I um, I didn't really understand what I had when I had my very first 401k and I left my job And I signed some piece of paper that I didn't know what I was doing and I got a check in the mail and I went shopping Um, and I was you know I was 24 I was very excited to have this additional money I didn't understand where it came from it would have been worth it would have been worth you know not a life-changing amount of money but a very nice amount of money if I had just put it in the S&P and let it go
0: oh man the name of the book is women with money she is Jean Chatsky. her podcast is called her money her website is called her money thank you for joining us thanks, today Jill. well thanks to Jean Chatsky. I can't wait to go back on her podcast we'll link to all of her stuff in the show notes don't forget we drop new episodes of Jill on money every Tuesday and Thursday if you have a financial question and want to come on the air with us live, just send us an email. Ask Jill at JillonMoney.com. Don't forget you can subscribe and download to this show anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Google Play, Radio.com, Stitcher, wherever. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence13. And the show is presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. See you next week.